0: warning the stories in this podcast often contain violent and disturbing events listener discretion is highly advised hello again nightmare society we've got a particularly scary story for you tonight so for you guys and gals particularly who like to go jogging I'll just warn you that this one is for you A big thanks and welcome to the newest members of the online campfire at patreon.com slash nightmare society Welcome to Lucas, Jillian, Dan, Angel, Venus, Emily, Yola, and Lens. Thanks so much guys, we really appreciate your support And you're just in time Here's a bonus episode that'll be coming out this week for those of you in the $5 tier. And for those of you in the 3 and up, you will get your regular episodes earlier in the week per usual. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. How I always seem to attract weirdos And generally strange happenings I thought I'd share a particularly unsettling Recent encounter of mine from this past year This all started last summer The summer of 2013 I had just turned 24 About a year out of graduate school And living back in California In my childhood home with my father and our dog My days were mainly spent applying for jobs in the mornings, sending out my resume and cover letter online, and then heading over to a park for a vigorous workout in the afternoon. I found that keeping to this schedule was most productive for me. I live in an upper middle class area of a large city, in an area with no sidewalks. Neighborhood walks or jogs were just out of the question i was pretty allergic to the grass at a really nice neighborhood park that's about a five minute drive from my house so nearly daily i'd make the trek to a much larger park which although was a good 20 to 25 minutes from my house and in a slightly more questionable part of the city provided a really nice jogging track and beautiful peaceful scenery including a man-made lake and various species of birds I kept firm to this daily schedule during the weekdays, giving myself a break on weekends. Being that my visits were during the daytime on weekdays in the summer, the park was mainly inhabited by older senior citizens, mothers with young children and middle and high school aged kids on summer vacation. Although I usually visited the park around the same time each day, I never really picked up on seeing the same people there. The park was quite large and I really liked how uncongested the jogging path around the man-made lake was. Also, even though the park was in a slightly less nice part of town, I never felt nervous or in danger at the park. There were always enough normal people around and I never went off into any desolate or isolated parts. As the daughter of a lawyer and the niece of a former FBI agent, I was always taught to be very aware of my surroundings and usually pick up on details or if something seems wrong or suspicious. I never felt this way on my workouts at the park. I kept to myself, worked out hard and then left. On August 24th, which was a Saturday, I happened to be at home. Perusing the Missed Connections section of Craigslist, which I do sometimes for a laugh when I'm bored. In the M4W section, which I believe means men for women, I saw a post entitled, I Have to Tell the Women I See Walking, in all capital letters with the posted location as the exact city in which the park I walked is located. I opened the post, it was rife with spelling and grammatical errors, but this person essentially described me, my workout clothing, my appearance, the basic description of the park, what time I had come to the park, etc., down to the details including the particular sunglasses and color sneakers I would wear. He mentioned that he wanted to know more about me, and felt a connection. As I said, I never noticed anyone in particular at the park, and certainly no one who had seemingly watched me. I was very, very creeped out, but also, I hate to admit, curious as to who this was and how he knew all of these details. The next step was clear. I was too curious. I created a throwaway Gmail account and replied to the stranger's post on Craigslist. Not expecting a response, I was surprised when one came in almost immediately. I asked him several questions including the specific park to which he was referring and who he was. I was almost expecting this person to just be playing some sort of prank. He answered immediately. He was in fact referring to the park I visited, identified himself as Mike and it did something so incredibly scary, I could not believe it. He attached about seven images that he had taken of me, jogging and walking around this park, spanning from months earlier to just a few days previous. The pictures were taken classic stalker style, sort of grainy and clearly taken by a cell phone. He asked, Is this you? I was starting to panic. I thought that I needed to play this cool. I watch a lot of true crime TV shows for fun and consider myself somewhat of an amateur sleuth and knew what I needed to do. I wanted to try and collect as much information as I could about this man and try to find out who he was without revealing too much about myself in the process. I never confirmed or denied that the images were of me, the person he was emailing but pressed on as to who he was, what he looked like, etc. He described himself to be 33 years old, ex-military, about 6 foot one, and in shape and fit with short dark brown hair, olive skin and some distinctive tattoos. He mentioned that he worked in an office building near the park and often took his dog there for walks on his lunch break. He continued that he was sure that he had caught my attention several times and that I would definitely recognize him if I saw him. He eerily stated, When I run, I slow down to look at you. I was trying to scan my brain to see if I had ever seen someone who matched that description and I really could not remember anyone. Hoping nothing pornographic would come my way, I asked for a picture of his face. About 30 minutes later, I got three. I opened up the images, and clearly there were three completely different men. None of them really matching the description of himself that he had provided me. A quick Google reverse image search confirmed that he had sent me fake photos, and of three different men. Two of them seemed randomly chosen, as if he had stolen photos off of Facebook or some other social networking site but the other was, very alarmingly, a photo taken from an online memorial website of an ex-military man who had died under suspicious circumstances several years back. Now, I was agitated that this creep was playing games. I called him out on sending the fake photos, and he replied with his phone number, begging me to call him so that he could explain. I now had another piece of evidence on the creep. Full of both adrenaline and fear, I googled his phone number, which gave me his full name, address, and age. His name was, in fact, Mike, but he was 42, not 33, and he lived with his mother. He lived fairly close to the park. I also searched for any prior arrests or evidence of a criminal history, but to no avail. Being slightly too curious at this point, I decided that I would call him from my phone number, which is blocked, and would not show up on his cell phone. He picked up and I could immediately tell that he was in fact much older than he had initially claimed. I called him on this and he denied, but he broke down and admitted he was 40, but not 42. He said he didn't want to admit he was old. I then called him out on his fake photos. He first claimed the images were real and then insisted two of the photos were friends of his and the other was his brother. He made up a complete story of the photo of his supposed brother, which I knew was also a fake story because his real last name, which I learned from the online records and the name of the man who died under suspicious circumstances were not the same. Many of the other details also didn't match up either. At my insistence, he finally emailed what he claimed to be a real image of himself. The man in the photo appeared older, portly, and what could only be described as greasy, sleazy, and guido-esque. This creep would not stop talking about himself, bragging about his cars, money, vacation homes, designer clothing, etc. Then, like a switch, he got really creepy. He started getting really sexual, talking about how he loves watching women work out in tight spandex clothing and how he likes watching really young girls and women exercise. I don't exactly remember how, but I got off the phone and made up some excuse of why I couldn't text. I obviously didn't want him having my phone number. Before I hung up, he mentioned he was meeting some friends at a Mexican bar or restaurant, which was somewhat close to the park I visited. At this point I called up a close older male friend of mine, Bobby, who is a super intelligent professional lawyer, but also loves to joke around and is quite young at heart. He's always been a confidant, a true friend, and almost an older brother to me. I told Bobby the whole story and he was just as freaked out as I was. Perhaps we were both too curious to figure out exactly who the creep was. But we hatched a plan to stake out this bar or restaurant, which was pretty close to Bobby's house, to see if Mike ever showed up. The area was heavily trafficked and we assumed the bar or restaurant would be very busy on a Saturday night, so we weren't too worried. Since hanging up with Mike, he had made repeated attempts to engage in more conversation with me over email, although I didn't respond. The whole evening I was creeped out, but also too curious. I drove to Bobby's house, left my car in his driveway, and Bobby drove us to the vicinity of the bar restaurant. The plan was for me to wait in the car, which was parked around the corner from the restaurant, while Bobby would casually go inside and order a drink from the bar and see if he saw Mike. I had previously shown Bobby the real photo that Mike had sent me earlier, I definitely did not want to go in see Mike and confirm to him that it was me the girl who he had stalked and photographed for months who he had found spoken to on the phone and was now seeing in person so bad idea or not I stayed in the car and was in constant contact with Bobby who was inside the Mexican restaurant I was in such a jumpy state trying to stay calm my mind moving a million miles a second and compulsively checking my text maybe around 30 or 40 minutes later Bobby left the restaurant and hopped into his car he seemed very shaken and just not like himself he insisted we drive around a little bit and not go back to his house right away Bobby is always calm and level-headed and it was unusual to see him like this When we finally stopped killing time and driving around, we went back to his house and went into his newly decorated TV den to talk so that we wouldn't wake up his brother. This is when he told me the whole story. Bobby, as planned, had walked into the Mexican restaurant and took a seat at the bar. Surprisingly, the bar restaurant was not as crowded as expected and was starting to clear out. Bobby said that what seemed to be a large birthday party was leaving and he was told that the kitchen was closing and there were only a few patrons. Shortly after he ordered a beer from the bartender, a single man came up and sat right next to him and immediately started making small talk. This was odd to me and the first red flag that was, it was Mike, because in the city where we live, strangers pretty much keep to themselves. It wasn't like this man was drunk and being super friendly either. Bobby said the man was completely sober and didn't even seem to be drinking or eating. Bobby told me that the man resembled the real photo that Mike had sent me over email. Almost like an aged has-been actor or an older out-of-shape former bodybuilder. And this man then began gloating about his money, cars, houses, etc just as Mike had done to me earlier on the phone. Bobby said that the conversation was completely one-sided, Bobby only managing to eke out a wow or oh really, in an as enthusiastic as he could fib tone here and there. Then Bobby told me like nothing that the man just started ranting and raving and getting very visibly angry over how he couldn't meet any decent women Bobby's older brother who he lives with and mother sadly suffer from mental illness. He's been around it his whole life and is pretty aware of mental illness when he encounters it. Bobby told me that the man was clearly very mentally ill as he went on and on about how he watches women but that things never get anywhere until he takes things into his own hands. Looking back, we both concluded that Mike was probably referring to coercing or forcing women into sexual situations with violence. I was completely sickened at this point and felt like I really dodged a bullet. Bobby, disgusted and having heard enough at this point, told me that he calmly acted like he was tired, paid for his bill, and got up from the bar stool to walk out back to his car and me. Then Bobby told me the worst part that honestly still freaks me out to this day. As Bobby was putting his wallet back into his jeans, Mike leaned in super close and told him point blank and in what Bobby said was a calm yet somewhat sneering tone. You can tell your friend that I'll be waiting for her at the park on Monday. Bobby had never ever mentioned me or any of the situation to Mike. And I had never mentioned any of my personal life Including my name, social networks, friends or anything of the like to Mike After this I stopped going to that park And tried to forget about the whole incident Mike had emailed me a fair amount for several weeks Alternating between seeming desperate Yelling at me And being intensely sexual and creepy and stalkerish I never replied. I figured that Mike was truly mentally disturbed and would eventually leave me alone as long as I didn't provoke. I've dealt with some stalker situations before and really didn't feel like getting my dad involved and going through everything with the police, etc. Also, I didn't feel like Mike was too big of a threat. I mean, he didn't have my real name, my real email address, or any of my phone numbers, etc. I figured that as long as I avoided the park, I would be fine. Months went by and I stopped checking my fake email, started a new job, and pretty much forgot about Mike. I also got a new cell phone and a new cell phone number, completely unrelated to the Mike issue. I gave my new number out only to my dad, my new boss, and a handful of lifelong friends. I was very careful and more guarded than ever due to this incident. I also never picked up blocked or private numbers on my cell phone. Then on November 26th, while at work, I got five calls on my cell phone number in rapid succession. From blocked numbers, with five corresponding voicemails. Followed immediately by a call from a number I didn't recognize, with no voicemail. I didn't like to check personal calls during the workday, especially from blocked or unrecognized numbers, and put it out of my mind for the time being. Later that night at home I remembered the calls and played the voicemails. The content was extremely unsettling. The man on the phone repeated the lyrics to the song, Me So Horny, by 2 Life Crew, in various accents, said my name multiple times and said some muffled things that sounded somewhat like threats and general sexual harassment. He also seemed to have great difficulty in hanging up the phone. Then I googled that phone number that called me. Following the five blocked phone calls and voicemails who I assumed was the same person, I stopped. The first name was Michael, and the last names were all the same. Or, as I had known him, Mike. I'm pretty sure he called five times blocking his number and then accidentally called again, forgetting to block his number, and hung up once he realized his blunder. I have no idea how he got my new phone number, my name, or anything. I can conclude that he may have picked up my name from listening in on a phone call of mine at the park months before. Seeing as he was unstable enough to think photographing and stalking women in a public park was acceptable behavior, I wouldn't put listening into a conversation or spying past him either. But how he got my cell phone number is completely unexplainable. We have no mutual friends and as I said before, I took strong precautions in not revealing any of my personal information to him. I've since blocked his number. Nothing has happened since November. Thankfully, so. I finally felt a bit more comfortable sharing this scary, scary story. I look back at my girlfriend. She's slowly backing up the incline. I look back down at the tarp. It starts moving, moving. That's not wind. Someone is waking up under that freaking tarp. My heart is now pounding. I turn to my girlfriend and shakily whisper. Run! Run! That was a preview of the bonus episode I have coming out later this week on Patreon. It's a doozy. Don't forget to send your true horror stories to Nightmare Society Radio at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. You can also support the podcast by joining our online campfire at patreon.com. Slash nightmare society. All links will be in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time.